boots. Now the first ain't Alphonse's heat. Missing both the shoes with some broken teeth responses. Hello, folks, and welcome to today's Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here. Uh, slightly compromised voice. Deal with it. Hey, uh, before we uh, start the uh, content of our program here with some great guests this morning, I want to take a second to thank uh, some of our local business partners, Gateway Marketing Cafe, uh, located at 20s in Woodland. That's my grocery store. And a great, pla- great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They've also got a catering service. Uh, thanks also to Story County Veterinary Clinic, where Dr. Kim Holding has been treating creatures great and small for over 30 years. Uh, thanks also to Ritual Cafe, located on 13th Street in downtown Des Moines. Fair trade coffee and fair trade tea and an all-vegetarian menu. And thanks to Cinco de Mayo Restaurant, authentic Mexican food at very affordable prices with excellent friendly service. And finally, thanks to Namaste Restaurant on, uh, on University Ave in Clive. A great assortment of uh, Indian food from both the north and southern parts of the country. That's Namaste Restaurant. All right, so later in the program, uh, Pastor Debbie Griffin joining us to talk about the confluence of faith and politics. Also later in the show, Pasha Morgan with us to talk about his planned 1,200-mile march from Des Moines to a detention center at the Texas border to call attention to the problems uh, facing immigrant families who are fleeing all sorts of issues in Central America. But first... uh, We've got um, Ron Yarnell in the studio with us here. Uh, Ron is also a pastor. We've been in, we're going to be inundated with pastors today, folks. Uh, that's a good thing, right? I don't know. <laughs> we'll leave it up to the audience. But so uh, the um, we we're, we're in, we were anticipating some significant ice raids over the weekend. Uh, those did not materialize, although over the last week. Well, over the last week, certainly, and, and I think there was some sense that it might peak this weekend, but right. uh, one thing that did happen this weekend was a concert in Idaho got canceled. Um, yeah, basically, that, that was like a, a, an interesting news story, but basically, a lot of people's lives were severely disrupted and a lot of uh, angst generated by this threat, uh, which again is just the tip of the ice, iceberg in terms of the Trump administration's uh, failure to respond in any kind of a reasonable and humanitarian way to the crisis at the border. Well, uh, reason is an interesting thing. Uh, it depends who's doing the reasoning. Uh, <laughs> from the Trump perspective, there is there is a method to his madness. There are reasons behind uh, his actions, his policies. Uh, they're very pointed. They're very precise. And uh, we'll have to see what happens next year during the election, whether they'll pan out for him. So what do you think is motivating Trump on his immigration policy, Ron? Um, Electoral appeal. He has a base that eats this stuff up. Uh, He wants to appeal. Trump has uh, a fascinating gift. He he really understands the darkness that lies within people. So, uh, what, What percentage of that base is white? Most of it, ninety nine percent, majority, I would say. <laughs> but but he under he understands he understands certain things about human nature. He understands uh, the darkness that lies in it. Uh, what what theologians call other depravity. He knows how to play it. Well, what do theologians call it? Other depravity. Other or utter. Utter. U T T E R. Utter depravity. Right. That's if you're Lutheran or Calvinist, you're you're big on that. <laughs> but but his, but I always like to consider Trump kind of like an unredeemed Calvinist because he doesn't see the redemptive side of it. He just sees the the other depravity. He plays it. He's done that all his life. Uh, what he sees in his immigration policies. 
He ran on interesting things. and He ran on, for example, renewing infrastructure. He ran, uh, for example, on, on disengaging the United States from unwinnable wars. He ran on, on, on issues that actually are quite palatable to on a bipartisan cross sure. level. Sure. But he's been incompetent <clears throat> and hasn't been really interested. I mean, it might all have been just, you know. Holcomb, uh, to, uh, he hasn't been able to accomplish any of them. Well, he's done great things for infrastructure. He's um, facilitated the expansion of uh, the fossil fuel infrastructure uh, uh, way beyond what not, the oil companies not, But he hasn't, he hasn't done anything for public right, infrastructure yeah. because, because he doesn't have the political chops to do it. I, I mean, right. the Republican Party already told him, no, we're not going to do this because to do this, we'd have to raise taxes. We're not going to do this. Yeah. But this he can do. Uh, I was interested, for example, in uh, the Mike Pence, uh, the infamous visit of Mike Pence to the border, and uh, from my understanding is Mike Pence did sit down uh, and and chat with uh, some of the children uh, to kind of put some admittedly creepy, but some kind of human touch on that. But uh, what we got out of him was looking at uh, adult males, uh, Hispanic males, you know, brown people, scary brown people from the Trump rhetoric, and just kind of looking at them like they were animals in, uh, behind uh, cages. Yeah. And that was very intentional. That was a direct appeal to his base. That has been his appeal since he began his campaign with the but, word but, Mexican rapist. But that also solidified and empowered the opposition to be more more, more posed, more vocal, more active because he doesn't those, care. Those images are horrible. He, so, he doesn't here's, care. Here's he, he's, he, okay. is, he is basing his strategy on what he understands to be uh, the, the the manipulable side of American yeah. uh, culture. But see, the, the Trump administration's the, the Trump base, the Trump Pence base, is a shrinking universe. It's a very vocal universe, a very uh, politically active universe. Uh, and it's also a universe that is empowered by laws, uh, voting ele election laws, that, that basically disenfranchise a whole lot of constituents. And so, yeah, and, even though and, it, I, and I blame the Democratic Party for that because the Democratic Party blame to go around. Is just, has just basically done nothing to to combat uh, voter suppression. Uh, oh, I, I wouldn't say. I, I think I think the Demo I think elements of the Democratic Party have tried. Uh, but uh, they've been they've been they've been run over by uh, you know and classy how, rhetoric about the and, need and to how, make the, and the how does that happen secure? that the Democratic Party <clears throat> one of the two major parties gets quote unquote run over the the, the, Demo the problem with of course that both major parties uh, they're both uh, owned and operated by really wealthy people who who don't really have a major interest in enfranchising poor people yeah and in in. To some extent, they're different wealthy people who own and operate yeah. them, but there's some overlap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, certainly we've seen. I think one of the reasons we've seen, um, you know, uh, lack of action on the on, the, on behalf of the DNC regarding a climate debate is because they've got fossil fuel money coming into their coffers. But with immigration, I think that's an issue where you do see a distinction between the parties. Um, well, historically, the Democratic <clears throat> Party has always been pro-immigration. That goes back to the 19th century. Uh, right. And historically, the Republican Party, although the Republican Party until the 60s was the nominal civil rights party, uh, it actually it also has always had kind of a nativist element within it uh, that uh, Mr. Trump has been able to really yank on, uh, pull out, and, and just ride, uh, ride to glory, so, basically. So you, you think the Trump administration's... Uh strategy with detention centers is intentional. Yes. 
Okay. It, it, for, for, from his perspective to the people he wants to talk to, it's good optics. Okay. It's horrible to any decent human being, but right. you know, he, he regards it as the message he wants to send. So, um, again, the pushback has been significant and likely to grow. Isn't that just going – I mean, my, my contention is, okay, maybe they're trying to appeal to their base, but that base is not a majority of America. Most Americans don't like what they're seeing. Most Americans also don't vote. True. Okay. And, and, you, and you know, Ed, because you're a former elected official. I'm a recovering Not, politician. Nothing matters except the, the ballot on election day. You know, everything up to that is all yeah. talk, and that's nice. Well, and, and, yeah. So, so you, you think that this strategy is going to work for No, them. I don't know if it's going to. I know this is a strategy that Trump <clears throat> is going with. Whether or not it will work, we'll see. I'm trying to figure out when Trump is going to, you know, to, uh, to use the phrase from uh, Happy Days. When is the Trump administration finally going to jump the shark? When are people finally going to say, this is really weird. How did we get to this weird alternative universe where we think this guy is presidential material? Uh, um, he spends every minute of his day trying to prove he's not. Uh, he has taken the presidency in such ugly directions. I mean, presidents have never been pure saints. Uh, some have been more, uh, um, what would you call? Um, Upstanding? Uh, uh, well, some have been more, uh, uh, some have been more Nixonian, let's say, than others. <laughs> oh, no, uh, that's, a, that's uh, a verb? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 right now, I, I, that's about as close mm -hmm. as I can describe. But we've never had anyone who has just, like, cut to the, the underbelly so I, I, I of, think, of American law. But don't, don't you think there's, a, there's an extent to which the Trump administration, Trump administration can push this draconian immigration policy to the point where it's going to start backfiring. I mean, I think he started backfiring that's a, already. That's but. a possibility, but what I'm saying is Trump thinks he, he can he can push it. He has nothing else going into 2020. He has no bridges and high... Well, what do they call the interstate system? They call it the Eisenhower system. <laughs> he would love... You would think that Trump, because of his professional background, he would love to have public infrastructure with his name on it. You, you would just think that. The Trump Memorial Highway system. Right. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't have the political chops to get it done. He doesn't have the will to get it. It's like he's taking the path of least resistance, yeah. which but is but, racism. But look at all the money being wasted on this failed immigration policy, the amount of money Not being money paid. Being to, wa it's going into the hands of, of the private, private contractors. That's right. right. They it's, don't think that's from money a wasted. From a taxpayer's point of view, that's a waste. Well, okay. From a humanitarian point of view, it's a waste. You know, but, but, from, but from the perspective of the for-profit prison industry, it's like bonanza right yeah but i mean i guess what i'm saying is that i mean what do they say i, I rather figure that they, i don't know how accurate it is but uh to house some uh asylum seekers i rather figure it costs like 700 plus dollars a day per, yes, it and, is. And yeah. you could like you could like right. stay in a in a hotel in, in in midtown manhattan for less than that yeah that's, now why aren't what why isn't his base up in arms about that? Be, be, because they think it's money well spent. Because because really? they, because seven hundred bucks a day. Be, because well they don't care. But what they care about is people that they've been trained to be scared of are behind are behind cages, are behind fences. That's yeah. what they want. And, and it's just kind of like, why does the United States have the biggest prison population in the world? Well, how can you get people, you can't get them to spend money, for example, on a lot, they'll, they'll grouse, they'll complain, but boy, you ask them for one, more money for prisons, they'll cough it right up. Yeah. Why is that? I mean, that, that and that, that's starting and, to change, though. And, that, that and, was, that and was, Trump and Trump understands that that negative aspect of the human condition, and he knows mm -hmm. how to exploit it. 
But that, that is starting to change. I mean, people are starting to see that we're throwing money down a rat hole with the expansion of the uh, with the with the exponential expansion of the prison population. I was I was reading something the other day that because of the lack of of uh, migrants to uh, harvest crops, now they're using. Uh, Convicted prisoners for that purpose, yeah, which yeah, is an yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Ter- uh, but I, I think the strategy of, of uh, the, these detention centers, uh, the uh, increasingly aggressive uh, anti-immigrant family uh, uh, pathway that he's chosen, I think that's going to backfire. I, I still have enough hope in the American people, even elements of the Trump base, that uh, that understand that this is not uh, this is no way to treat a human being. This is no way to manage an immigration okay, so policy. That, so, then, so then you create rhetoric where you reduce their humanity. Well, Trump's already done that. Bingo. Yeah. All right. That, that's what's going on. All right. Uh, people, uh, it's amazing the, the things people will, they will see children being abused in these facilities and they'll say, well, their parents shouldn't have brought them here. It's their parents' fault. And, or things. Mm. It's amazing the, the, the moral and ethical uh, gymnastics people will go through uh, to, to, to justify this stuff. Okay, so, that- and, and that's a great way of avoiding deeper questions that the United States, the American citizens don't want to ask. For example, why is this migration happening here? What's going on in the world? What's going on in Central America that well, these people are fleeing their countries? And how has the United States yeah. over the past century contributed to that? Well, climate change is contributing to well, drought, and, but and also, and also while, while we want people to respect our borders, we haven't been real good about respecting other people's borders. No, some of the, the, the proxy wars that we've initiated in, in right. Nicaragua and Guatemala, right. El Salvador yeah. have been horrible in terms of uh, yeah, We, we, we basically treat Latin America as our extended backyard for the last hundred plus years. The, the term banana republic uh, was coined for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, it, it's, uh, and, and I, I hope the, uh, I hope more president, I know Telsey Gabbard has made those, uh, those connections. I hope other presidential candidates will continue to make those connections because I think, I, I think uh, more and more people with enough exposure to the uh, ideas will begin to understand them. And I maybe maybe that's because I have more hope in humanity than you do, Ron. I don't know. <laughs> I, I well, you may. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would be a big, a big, a big I, 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 that, that might not be a, a major leap of faith for you. <laughs> right, right, right. So one last question on the ice raids. Uh, these were anticipated to be um, broad, uh, punitive. Um, uh, uh, really extensive, and, and they, they didn't happen. Do you think it's just a matter? Is the Trump administration just biding its time? It is so odd because he runs so heavily, and he's done this all his life. Once again, there's there's no new tricks from this guy. He has run so often on his life on the bluff, on on the on what he says he's going to do, and then he doesn't do it. So I realized when I was coming on the show today uh, that wait wait a minute, all these raids they didn't really happen, did they? I mean, we would have heard about them. They'd all be all over the news cycle. You'd see see pictures in city after city of of people being dragged away. And I I think... well, one one thing that happened was maybe the administration was concerned about um, counteraction, about protesters confronting ICE agents, and uh, that would just like not be a good thing to yeah. p- to put on the news cycle. But 
on the larger scale, it's a typical uh, Trump bluff. I mean, he does this. He, he makes a threat. So you think it's a bluff? You don't think there are going to one be... One thing I've noticed, a part of it, he did, he did say that uh, he was going to do this unless the Democrats were going to pass legislation that he liked. And they didn't do this, and the bluff and the bluff passed. Mm. So he was actually signaling that this is actually up for negotiation, which is interesting. This is how he works. And I don't know how come his uh, supporters don't realize this. With, with Trump... Everything is transactional. Mm. So when he says he's going to do something, what he's really saying, I'm willing to trade for something what I want. Um, and then it, it, he actually is easy to – when he bluffs, it's easy to actually uh, call his bluff. Uh, he's, 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 he's caved on a, a fairly frequent basis. I mean, that's what's inspiring the Iranians right now. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, they, they know that, yeah. that he's an empty suit. Yeah. Ron, thanks for joining us. Uh, folks, we've been talking with Ron Yarnell here on the Fallon Forum. Uh, back in a minute, uh, Pastor Debbie Griffin going to join us here to continue the conversation live here on Lorena, 1260 AM and 96.5 FM. Scaly Marketing Cafe is your locally owned source for specialty groceries. Enjoy chef-crafted prepared foods, artisan baked goods, organic produce, specialty cheeses, and hand-selected wines and craft beer. Visit the lively cafe for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Gateway Market is centrally located on the corner of Martin Luther King Jr. Parkway and Woodland Avenue. Stop by or visit www.gatewaymarket.com for more details. Gateway Market, good food, great community. For all your accounting needs, both business and personal, contact Ying Sa at Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. It seems that tax law changes every year. You want an accountant who's up to speed on the latest twists and turns. Someone who can help make sure your tax return is filed accurately, in a timely manner, and properly, so you don't end up paying any more than you need to pay. So give Ying Sa, the founder of Community CPA, a call at 515-288-3188. That's 515-288-3188. Across the Des Moines metro, Ritual Cafe is known for its excellent fair trade coffee and fair trade tea. Ritual Cafe also serves breakfast and lunch and offers an entirely vegetarian menu. This unique venue is also known for its live music and displays of local artwork on the walls. Located on 13th Street between Locust and Grand in downtown Des Moines, Ritual Cafe is open six days a week. Make Ritual Cafe a daily part of your ritual. Times are tough, and most people are just trying to make their cars last a little bit longer. That's why you should know about Sargent's Garage in Des Moines. You can trust Sargent's to make the right diagnosis and give you a fair price every time. Whether it's a routine oil change or a major repair, Sargent's always does outstanding work. So don't give up on that old car just yet. Call Sargent's Garage at 515-246-8149. That's 515 515- Two four six eight one four nine. It's important to know where your food comes from. At Hawk Restaurant, that's easy because 90% comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. Located at East 5th and Walnut Street, Hawk is open for lunch and supper Monday through Saturday. From May through October, you'll also find Hawk at the Downtown Farmer's Market serving fantastic breakfast wraps with 100% of the ingredients from Iowa, except for the salt and pepper. Learn more at hawktable.com. That's H-O-Q-table.com. 
Dr. Kim Holding has over 30 years of experience working with all creatures great and small. Cat, dog, horse, cow, elephant. Well, maybe not an elephant. If you've got a pet elephant, you may be in trouble. Kim's work history is long and deep, and her clients stick with her year after year because they know she will do right by them and their pets and farm animals. So give Dr. Holding a shout to keep your animals happy and healthy. Call 515-232-8766. That's 232-8766. Namaste India is one of the best Indian restaurants in the Des Moines metro. Located at 7500 University Avenue in Clive, Namaste offers a broad range of cuisine from both northern and southern India. Namaste's menu also includes delicious Indo-Chinese and Nepalese dishes. Owner Ronnie Singh has been in the restaurant business for over 12 years, providing a truly unique culinary feature for Central Iowa diners. Open Wednesday through Monday for lunch and supper. Namaste also delivers to your door. That's Namaste Restaurant 515-255-1698. That's 515-255-1698. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon, your host here. Later in the program, Pasha Morgan joining us to talk about a proposed uh, march from Des Moines to Texas to call attention to the realities and hardships facing immigrant families. Uh, Later in the program, still, we'll be talking about the record-setting heat this past week across the country and what some are saying about the future prognosis for severe heat in the new climate era. But uh, now we've got Debbie Griffin in the studio, Pastor Debbie Griffin with the uh, Downtown Disciples. Hi. How you doing? I'm doing great. This is a big week uh, for you. You've got a, a national conference here. There are folks, there are religious types descending on Des Moines from all over the country. That's right. And I just left uh, the conference. We have a business session going on this morning. And so we're uh, working on several important uh, pieces of business uh, regarding the connection between faith and politics. Yeah. And uh, faith and politics uh, is a discussion that you hear across the religious perspective from progressive faith communities to more conservative ones that uh, for them the confluence of faith and politics often means uh, opposing uh, abortion, opposing a woman's right to choose. you know, there were some faith leaders here in Iowa that led the charge against uh, marriage equality for LGBTQ folks. So I take it you mean something a little bit different by politics and faith coming together in a religious context. Absolutely, I do. <laughs> well, tell us about that. Downtown Disciples, um, where where I pastor, is a new church start that was actually founded as a uh, progressive faith community and expression of uh, the progressive values of Christianity. And so when I say the intersection of faith and politics, I'm, I'm talking about uh, similar things as the Poor People Campaign, uh, which a lot of people might be familiar with because of the Reverend William Barber. I'm talking about things like equality, justice, 
poverty. I'm talking about things like caring for our earth, which includes uh, dealing with the realities of of climate change. Uh, We're talking about voter suppression. Uh, Just in our business session this morning, uh, we were speaking about uh, transgender rights and the rights uh, of people uh, who are gender nonconforming or gender expansive. And we uh, specifically had a resolution on the floor this morning that um, was just really uh, interesting and important that greatly identifies uh, the wh- exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to faith and politics. So the resolution that was presented to the, bo- to the whole body of the church was uh, to call us to become more educated on the um, identity and the uh, reality of uh, transgender people and the welcome that the church Uh, needs to offer and has not offered totally because we just have not been educated. So it was a call for us to to learn, to become educated. And uh, there was a particular one paragraph in the resolution that spoke about politics. And I just, it's really short, so I just want to read it to you. It says, um, whereas our federal government as well as many state, municipal, and school districts and governments have increased their efforts to devalue, punish, and erase transgender and gender-diverse identities in the recent past. So that's the paragraph, and the call is, that's one of the reasons why we need to become educated. So a person stood up um, on the floor, which, of course, you can do in these business things, and go to the mic, and they said they wanted to send this resolution back for rewording and to eliminate this particular paragraph because they felt uh, that it wasn't fair because not everybody in the government is doing this, only particular peoples. Now, this this may not be a fair observation, but uh, it's an observation that I hear oftentimes is that uh, churches have been in the decline, on the decline. I mean, especially mainline Protestant churches. You, you membership uh, has been on the decline. Uh, churches have been closing. Uh, there's an impression that uh, there's a sense that that the, the the work of a lot of churches is no longer relevant to the challenges people face in modern life. At the same time, some of the more conservative evangelical churches have been growing. Uh, where do you fit into that spectrum? So I, I think that um, you're absolutely right about that. And one of the reasons that Downtown Disciples was started was beca- because of that, because I believed that there surely had to be other people of faith and particularly other Christians who felt like I did, which is that the religious right has co-opted Christianity. They have taken the voice of Christianity. Uh, in my mind, they have twisted uh, the religion they have misrepresented it for their political purposes, mm-hmm. and that the moderate and progressive Christians have been relatively silent. And would they argue that you're trying to do the same thing? Well, they would certainly. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I would I would say that to follow Jesus is uh, to be involved in the work of justice and equality. Mm-hmm. 
and that just hasn't been uh, the voice that the media has picked yeah. up on. It is pretty hard to, I mean, I was a religion major, uh, and people are going to think this is a religious program now because we have two pastors on <laughs> and a guy talking about his background as a student of religion. But no, we actually don't have a lot of pastors on the show, so this is kind of refreshing. But as a religion major, you know, I am... Um, I, I, you know, as you, as you read scripture, especially as you read the synoptic gospels or the prophetic texts, it's pretty clear there's a strong, uh, a continuous message of, of justice, of equality, of peace. And it's hard to, I mean, you really can't go into the in scripture and, and genuinely, you know, with any kind of, you know, uh, intellectual integrity and find passages that blast gays and lesbians. Or Absolutely. That speak in any kind of way about abortion. So it's it's interesting to me that, um, or for that matter, that, that talk about uh, the importance of accumulating lots of wealth. Because I've noticed that some of the some of the, I'm sure you're as rich as some of these pastors on the right. Okay, good. I, <laughs> I'm I was, afraid not. <laughs> I was expecting a laughter. I mean, some of them have gotten incredibly wealthy. Uh, I remember seeing one video recently of a pastor who who um, <clears throat> chastised his congregation for not doing more to um, provide. The money he needed to buy a private airplane. <laughs> I, I thought, well, who's going to fall for that? But apparently there are people falling for that. So no private airplane for Debbie Griffin. No, no private, okay. no private airplane. No. Um, and, you know, in my uh, belief, uh, Jesus uh, spoke m so much about wealth and about poverty. And he had a clear call uh, for us to bring good news to the poor and to uh, speak uh, critically to the wealthy who were not uh, sharing that wealth uh, with their neighbors. So beyond the, the desire to educate your congregation and the, and the general public, what specific calls of action are, is your, your denomination, your church working on? So um, one thing uh, comes to mind right away. Last night we had a vigil um, that remembered the children uh, who have died in U.S. Uh, custody, uh, Border Patrol. Uh, there were eight children that we saw their pictures and, and spoke their names. And uh, we have a, a movement within the uh, denomination. We've had historically a rich history of refugee and immigration ministries. So we are called specifically right now mm -hmm. to be engaged and to be politically active mm -hmm. in challenging our mm -hmm. government uh, that this is not this is not acceptable uh, treatment of of humans. Of course, uh, there's there's a fine line that you run here. Of course, uh, I mean, I understand. I, I totally agree that uh, scripture. Uh, and I would say this is true of any scripture of any any major religion. Scripture calls its members to action. Um, but government calls you to be neutral. <laughs> government does not want churches involved in politics. I mean, that's a part of the reason that a tax-exempt status is extended to churches. Uh, and yet, you know, we see pastors... Uh, um, not just, I mean, I, I, talking about issues and current events is one thing, but you do see pastors at churches. I've seen some of them, at, again, very conservative churches who are out there saying, now make sure you go and vote for so-and-so, which is, I think, a pretty clear violation of what the IRS expects. But 
do you ever see your 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 congregation or maybe some of the other churches that are here with this conference uh, involved with those kinds of um, problems where they get challenged by the government for stepping across that that line? I don't know of any um, congregations in the Disciples of Christ tradition that have been called out for that. I'll, I think that we try um, really hard uh, to speak to the issues and and not. Um, endorse candidates. However, I will say that, you know, our Downtown Disciples has a podcast called Like Micah. And we're like Micah? Like Micah. The Prophet. The Prophet okay. Micah, um, because our mission uh, statement at Downtown Disciples is from the uh, Prophet Micah, and it is to do justice, love kindness, and walk mm-hmm. humbly together. So our podcast is called Like Micah, because that's what we try to do. And um, our new series for the Like Micah podcast is called Faith and Politics, and we are going to be talking to presidential candidates and uh, local candidates. We will not be endorsing any right. candidates right. because that is, in my mind, a clear violation of the um, of the law, and we, you would be subject to losing your tax-exempt status. Right. Are there churches that have lost their tax-exempt status? I don't know of any. I, yeah. I, I know of some that should, <laughs> uh, but, right, right, right. but I don't know of any yeah. that have. Yeah, okay. So um, the, uh, the, the three, it's a three-day conference, right? I, actually, that started on Saturday, oh, and God. it ends on Wednesday with, oh, a, wow. with a big rally, which um, The church I'm will ex- really know how to do it, don't you? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, Wednesday is the culmination with a big rally at the Iowa State Capitol building. That's correct. Right. So Wednesday morning, uh, we have our closing worship service with um, Dr. Reverend William Barber, who is a disciple of Christ pastor. He's nationally known. He spoke at the Democratic Convention. He uh, is the leader of the Poor People Campaign and the Repairs of the Breach Campaign. And he is going to preach at our closing worship Wednesday morning at the Iowa Event Center. And then following that, um, we are going to have a rally at the Capitol. And um, I've been given permission now to, we've been kind of hush-hush about this, but I've been given permission now to publicly state that Reverend Barber also is going to have what he calls brief remarks at the rally. Well, we'll hold him to it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you also are going to be speaking at the rally. Very brief. Very brief. Very brief. <laughs> so the rally is um, a time for the church to publicly confess our uh, participation in systemic racism, our participation in oppression and uh, acts of injustice, our uh, participation in um, mistreatment of the land and our waters. So we'll confess, and we're going to hear from local organizations uh, like Bold Iowa, um, like the Interfaith Alliance of Iowa, like the Iowa Sanctuary Movement, the Iowa Poor People's Campaign. So it's it's pretty broad. It's not simply a religious gathering. It's a gathering of the folks involved with this this conference with the community at large. That's good. Yes, we like to include our partners who are doing great justice work. Great. Well, uh, Debbie, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Folks, we've been talking to Pastor Debbie Griffin. You can learn more about the uh, Downtown Disciples uh, online. Downtowndisciples.org. Yeah, and also about the, uh, the, the event coming up on Wednesday at the Iowa State Capitol. When we come back on the Fallon Forum, uh, Pasha Morgan's going to join us. We're going to be talking about uh, a march uh, against detained 
asylum-seeking families. And yes, the acronym is MAD-AF. This is a proposed 1,200-mile march uh, from Des Moines to the uh, Texas border to call attention to the uh, horrific things happening to immigrant families right now. We'll be back in a minute, folks, on the Fallon Forum. Welcome back to the Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here as we go to the uh, second part of our program here. Uh, more to come. We'll be talking about the uh, the phenomenal, uh, historic, disturbing heat wave and what that uh, might look like going forward in the new climate era. First, I want to take a second to thank our some of our local business partners, thanks to Gateway Marketing Cafe at 20th and Woodland. My grocery store and a great place for breakfast, lunch, and supper. They've also got an excellent catering service at Gateway Marketing Cafe. Uh, thanks also to Hawk Restaurant at East 5th and Walnut, where 90% of the food served comes from Iowa farms and Iowa producers. That's Hawk Restaurant. And thanks to Sergeant's Garage, located at 6th and College, where they've been servicing four generations of Fallon Mobiles. As infrequently as I use them, at Sergeant's Garage. Uh, thanks also to Diversity Insurance at 1541 East Grand. Get to all your insurance needs except for health care covered under one roof. That's uh, Diversity Insurance, 1541 East Grand. And finally, thanks to Community CPA with offices in Des Moines and Iowa City. Founder Ying Sa, give her a shout. She'll help you out with all your tax and accounting needs. That's Community CPA. All right. So, hey, um, onward with our conversation here. Pasha Morgan in the studio with us. Um, Pasha has, uh, like many people, been deeply disturbed by what's been going on at the border and um, came up with a crazy idea. (laughs) And we've been doing everything we can to dissuade him from implementing this insane idea. But I think he's grim and determined to move forward on it. It's called March Against Detaining Asylum-Seeking Families, or... The acronym, which, again, this is a great acronym, MAD-AF, which I thought used to stand for Alliance Francaise. Now I know better. Um, (laughs) And we're not going to say what it is. Because people get it, and the FCC is listening. So, <laughs> so um, tell us what your what's your plan is. Are you the twelve hundred mile march? Yes, my okay. plan is to leave here um, from the state capitol, actually, um, at on the thirty first of August, and I will be marching the twelve hundred miles from here to Clint. Texas. Okay, and what's at Clint, Texas? Uh, it's one of the detention centers. It's one of the main ones that had um, the children that everybody was getting so upset about mm. in the very beginning. The the original pictures that were released were from this detention center. And so, this is a photographs of um, people having no place to sit, no place to sit, no place to sleep, and um, not taking, not not getting. I mean, weren't there some who were saying they weren't they, they didn't have a shower for like forty five days, like forty days or something, denied like toothbrushes, absolutely, and yet somehow. Somehow, government our government is paying some private prison contractor seven hundred plus bucks a day to quote, take care of seven hundred seventy five dollars a day um, you know, per detail. I'd love to have a few of these immigrants come and stay with me for seven hundred seventy five bucks a day. I guarantee I you, for seven hundred seventy five dollars a day, the a lot of people would step find, forward. Right. You know, the truth is, a lot of people would step forward anyhow without any compensation because we care and because we know this is wrong. Absolutely, we know this is wrong. In truth, the, the truth of the matter is seventy right. seven hundred seventy five dollars a day if they were doing their jobs. I hate to use the term jobs because keeping people locked up for seeking asylum is not should not be a job but mm. uh, for $775 a day they could be they could keep these people in decent living conditions right. they just choose not to because that's what happens when you have a for-profit system 
Yeah. Well, and we've seen we've seen how well the for-profit system works in uh, prison prisons in general, and also in Medicaid. Absolutely. Yeah. So, anyway, so uh, this is quite an undertaking. I mean, I, I've I've done long marches. <laughs> I've done a couple that are hundred miles. Right. One that was two hundred. One that was four hundred. One that was thirty-one hundred. None of them are easy. Twelve hundred miles is a long march. It is. And uh, well, and I've never done it before. You never done it before, but you you're in the army. Yes. And you were subjected to some pretty uh, strenuous days in that capacity. That correct? is true. Yeah. That is true. I'm already. You walking legs still with you? Uh, well, they're getting back. I've, I've started. Right. Okay. Good, good, good. <laughs> right. When I decided that I was going to do this, I stopped kind of driving unless I absolutely have to. Did you walk here today? Um, I didn't. But the only reason I didn't is because <laughs> I was going to ride my bike from work. But uh-huh. my wife had an appointment on the other gotcha. side of town. Okay. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, but so this is a logistical and physical uh, challenge that few would be able or willing to undertake. What is the uh, the core message? I mean, it's it's it's, it's got to be a pretty powerful motivation for you to do this so what what do you what do you see your you you run into uh, average people all along the way those folks saying what are you walking for what do you say to them Uh, i'm walking to raise funds um for the people in the in in the detention center um raising money and raising things to buy items for them isn't going to help because they're not allowing anything to go in however that being said we decided to raise money for legal fees processing fees, application processing fees, and things that would actually help in, in getting them released from from custody. And what about in terms of raising awareness? And education. Yeah. Education about immigration laws, um, about uh, the cause for the mass migration in the first place, yeah. uh, going back uh, a few years, 50 or so years now, and a lot of that basically was America. Do you have some of the, uh, you've you, you thought through some of the um you know, typical responses, concerns that immigrants are coming here to take our jobs, for example. Right. Uh, what do you say to that one? First of all, we live in a system where the jobs that people, the first thing they ask you for a lot of times is identification and social security cards. If you do not have these, which a lot of undocumented or asylum-seeking people do not, then you're not, they're not taking your jobs. These are not the jobs that anybody's applying for a lot of times. And it's, it's simply they're just here trying to earn money the same as anybody else. What's taking people's job is corporate overreach. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> un- unemployment is, what, just over 4% nationally. It's 2.5 maybe in Iowa. Right. It's really low. It, so, I mean, right now, the, right now employers are struggling to find people to fill the positions they have. So Right. And, but it's not the people that they are these are not the people that they have in these detention centers are people who are coming here to seek asylum and are running from something that is worse than taking their children yeah. and going on a, th- a three month yeah. march yeah. Uh, this is you, you're it's only it's cognitive dissidence <clears throat> that makes people think that that certain people care less about their children or about their family members than we care about our own yeah. So they people, even though they understand that people are taking their children and they are going through some very trying a, a trial for all intents and purposes, march across continent basically to get to safety. For some reason, it never enters a lot of people's minds that to do that, they have to be running from something a greater danger than putting their children in that. Mm. So it's in, and if they care about their children just as much as I care about mine, just as much as you care about yours. So to put them in that position, mm. you have to think about what they must be running from. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's, that, that's I think, uh, maybe even more important than raising funds is to raising awareness. Absolutely. Because, uh, there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of misinformation to counter Absolutely. out there. I mean, the contention that, uh, that these are criminals, that they're yes. bringing in disease, that they're and bringing drugs, in drugs. which is false. I mean, none of that is backed up by fact, and yet no. it's out there, and there are people buying it because it's coming from what is historically a fairly credible source of information, a.k.a. the president of the United States. But unfortunately, uh, as, right. as, uh, as various outlets you know, tell us all the time, when you fact-check the president on a lot of the stuff, the truth isn't there. Right. But still... For the majority I, of his statements. Yeah. May, maybe that's one thing you can accomplish, too, is just these, you know, conversations one-on-one or conversations with, um, you know, editors of small-town newspapers, local radio stations Absolutely. about, about you know, what really is going on, why these families are fleeing, and, and the fact that they're not drug dealers, they're not uh, rapists, they're not right. bringing, you know, bringing diseases with them. Right. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt that some of them are being exposed to uh, disease in these overcrowded detention centers. Yes, uh, they're disease, um, both both caused by overcrowding and just the lack of hygiene, yeah. um, sexual assaults. Um, for women and girls are astronomical. So what do you hope to do when you r- arrive at the detention center at the border? When I arrive at the detention center the, at the border... <clears throat> Assuming you the, make it. I think you're going to make it. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I, I'm, gonna, I'm pretty determined. If I, if, if, unless something literally happens where my body will quit on me, which I doubt that's going to happen. I'm pretty healthy. Um, I will make it. And when we get there, when I get there, um, hopefully by then there's been enough awareness raised of the march itself that um, there there can be some sort of conversation that happens then. If not... Conversation with the... With... with uh, you know what? Honestly, it would be great to have a conversation with somebody who is involved with the detention center. But being the fact that I'm just a regular person and they weren't letting Congress people in, um, I doubt if that'll happen. That being said, some kind of conversation with some sort of media. Mm. Um, but more than anything, they we've been in talks with the American Bar Association to send some lawyers down mm. and to start a kind of a, a okay. month-long um, immigration. Okay. So um, now, in the time left, to the logistics of this, mm. you're out there walking how many miles a day? 10 to 15. 10 to 15. Right, 10 to 15 miles a day. Challenging but doable. Yes. Uh, where do you stay at night? Um, well, <laughs> that was a toss-up. Um, I, I plan on staying in tents or crashing with Any people. tent or your own tent? My own tent. Okay. <laughs> My you said tent's plural, so anyway, I want to make sure you're... Um, I plan on staying in a tent. <laughs> okay. um, I can crash along the way if, if I am invited to, but um, the idea to march for the conditions that people are living in and then living above those conditions mm-hmm. seems... So you'll be carrying that tent on your back yes. or pushing it in a stroller? Or? I'll be carrying it. Okay. That carrying. makes 10 to 50 miles a lot harder. It does. And you probably know that... It's from little, your army days, right? Yeah, it's a little two-person how, time. How, I think it weighs like six pounds. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah but then you get your sleeping bag. You yeah. get your air mattress. No, no, no. no. Just a sleeping bag. I'm Raw ground. Sure. You sure? Yeah. Maybe I, I need to talk you out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I can do it. I can do it. I've been through Experiment worse. Experiment with that. Go spend, a, go spend a weekend at Sailorville without an air mattress. Yeah. <laughs> spend the next weekend with an air mattress. Let me know how that pans out for you. I'm sure one will be more comfortable. But but, uh, but food, you'll be eating, just stopping at cafes right. along the way. So right. Okay. Just so you want you want have a heck of a lot of weight. You'll have no. clothing too. No. Yeah. Yeah. A few things. A few things. Well, it carries. Me. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to. I really don't want to be out much outside of the conditions that the detainees are actually 
being well, consistent. Well, the truth is you'll probably, even with what you're describing, even you'll probably be right, right. better off than people in I these, will be. And that, and that is which just, is just a, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Are other people welcome to come with you, or are you other doing people, this on your own? Other people are welcome to come with me. Um, after speaking to you and a couple other people who have done marches, um, I'm the, the, we're just going to keep moving. Uh, so they're welcome to come. Uh, we're trying to keep it smaller um, like under for, under a thousand for <laughs> for logistics sake um but yes i am inviting people to come and not only they don't have to walk the whole way because this march is going to take approximately from the 31st of august to the first of december but they have to have a tent right a sleeping bag and if they're smart an air mattress <laughs> <laughs> if they're smart or whatever they feel like they can carry <laughs> but it's not necessary to do, go the whole way either um oh you want to walk for just a week if you want to walk for a day yeah um, we're doing donations and we're doing don pledges per mile as well so there's lump sum donations and then there's pledges per mile where you can pledge from one cent to one dollar right. per mile how will you scout out your campsites or just uh, uh, we, I have a, I'm going to have uh, some, a team back here that is going to be okay. scouting ahead for me and okay. looking for uh, not to mention the fact that I I'm pretty sure we're we're trying to well there's somebody trying to raise funds now for to do a documentary possibly so that'll be a little support staff as really well. good. So, so you, uh, a documentary crew that might come with you for the duration yes. of the march yeah yes and how long do you expect this to take? Uh, it's going to take about three months okay, about so ninety yeah. days. So back for Thanksgiving, maybe. Mm, or Christmas at any rate. Christmas, definitely. Yeah. Thanksgiving, probably not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. not. I'm going to try to give yeah. it as much time as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. But think I, the, the, the point of the matter is, though, I'm a history buff, and things like this have been going on through history, and I've always looked into it, and I've always thought, well, if I was there, then then this is I would not be one of the silent people. I would yeah. be one of the people raising hell and, and raising awareness. And now the time is here, so it's either put up or shut up, yeah. basically. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, very commendable, heroic, uh, uh, challenging responses to the many injustices we see in the world. Certainly Absolutely. I see that in the realm of climate change with some of the uh, actions being uh, yeah. taken around, around the world. And something more productive. Rather yeah, than argumentative yeah. or divisive, yeah. just something to to build up people, yeah. community, and, and talk and, about. And I will say, you know, once I say, there's this something about, you know, if I drove to a little town in Missouri and said, "Hey, I'm here to talk about immigration," nobody's going to care. Mm. But they see you walking through this little town, and hey, what are you doing here? And why? And what, why? what 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 is so important? Yeah. What drove you to decide yeah. to walk? I had that, miles? That, that said to me all the time when I was uh, when I was um, when I was uh, walking was. This must be really important to you. Right. So, Pastor, well, good luck with this. Folks, Thanks I know so there's a Facebook page out there, Mad. Yes. Uh, Mad AF, uh, March Against Detaining uh, Asylum Seeking Families. It's on Facebook. And, and you'll have it, a website soon. I will well. have a website soon, All but right. that gives a little information. Thanks for joining us, Pasha. If you're listening on our community-owned station, stick around. we got more conversation coming. Thanks to Ashley Martinez, our producer, Sherry Hardina, our post-production producer, and to Juan Rodriguez here at the station. This is Ed Fallon on the Fallon Forum. Welcome back to the uh, Fallon Forum. Ed Fallon with you here. Uh, I think you've, like most of us in the country, have probably just come through uh, a pretty intense period of heat. You know, again, in Iowa, we hit, um, we did, didn't quite hit as high as they said it would here. We got 96 degrees, I think. Um, and that's, you know, I, honestly, 
you know, upper 90s, even 100, is not unheard of in the upper Midwest or in lots of parts of the country. But what is unheard of is the persistent and, uh, and record-setting temperatures in so many places. Um, they, you know, the, the, heat, the heat index got up to 110 degrees. Actually, in, well, I will say, even though it was 96 here, because of the high level of humidity, the heat index, at least according to my records, hit 114 degrees, which is pretty intense and, um, and dangerous, of course, uh, and not just for not just for people uh, struggling with, uh, you know, with, with uh, who don't have air conditioning or who might have to have jobs outside, but it's tough on crops as well. And by, by, and by crops, I mean our food. You know, um, again, I'm a small, uh, resilient uh, farmer uh, growing lots of different things. So you get, yeah, I get a crop or two that don't work. I can, I can manage that. We can we can we can work our way around that, <laughs> but um, the the problem is uh, that that these these uh, heat waves are becoming more and more common, and uh, even more noticeably this year in Europe. Uh, of course, Europe had an incredibly high uh, um, you know high um, uh, rate of uh, heat there just uh, a few weeks ago, and now it looks like it's going to hit again. They're saying um, they're saying that France, uh, which had 114 degrees Fahrenheit without Without the uh, heat index, that's crazy, France. You know, and then that's, and they're going to get hit by the same thing again, um, maybe even higher. This is a problem. Again, it's a problem for more than just the discomfort of the temperature. Um, flipping through a, a very, uh, I thought a very astute article in Forbes. You know, you don't, and I don't often read Forbes, but uh, I came across this column by Steve Denning, which I thought was. Um, Pretty, pretty insightful. Uh, you know, he says the only viable solution to climate change is, uh, he doesn't call it the Green New Deal, but it's basically an all-out, you know, a, a comprehensive a strategy to address it, uh, where you've got government investment. And this is in Forbes, okay? So, you know, and he pointed to, uh, he pointed out the, the, the moon, uh, the moonwalk, uh, how much, how much time and effort and investment uh, it took to get a man to walk on the moon. Uh, that was a huge investment. There was lots of, lots of criticism about it. You know, um, you know similarly, uh, and, and this may not be as, as favorable uh, uh, an example, but the, the atomic bomb, <laughs> you know, again, not a fan, but uh, that happened. That wasn't, a, that wasn't a private lab figuring that out. That was, a gover- that was government investment. That was, uh, you know, a, a decisive a uh, targeted decision to move forward on that. And same with, on a more positive note, the Internet. The Internet didn't just happen. It wasn't, you know, a, a, a privately uh, initiated, initiated uh, uh, concept. It was a, a, a whole lot of, uh, you know, public investment to make it happen. The same thing is going to happen. It's going to have, have to happen with climate change. Yeah, if we're going to pull beyond this problem, it's going to have to be... Uh, you know, uh, a, a, a concerted effort led by the governments of the world. And again, the U.S. needs to be a central part of that. Obviously, that's not going to happen right now with a, with, a, with a president who not only is in denial of the existence of climate change, but is doing everything possible to make the problem worse. And so, um, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, again, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to get 
President Trump or other folks who are still in denial to understand what we're dealing with. I mean, last month, June, June of 2019, it was the hottest June ever recorded. And in fact, um, if, you, if you look at the last uh, 10 years, nine of those years have had one of the hottest Junes ever recorded. It's very likely that July will end as the hottest July and possibly even the hottest month ever recorded. Um, you know, and, and it's, not, it's, not, it's not like we don't know what's happening. Again, as uh, Denning points out in his column, the, uh, you know, the, the core problem, the, the core of the problem is that the burning of hydrocarbons is the foundation of many, it's not only that many of the, it's the foundation of many of the huge improvements, but it's also what's been causing climate change. Um, I think actually the column is worth reading because it's a pretty good uh, analysis of human nature. He says, we, he points out, we're not stupid, we're not evil. You know, our brains have been created to ignore risks that appear in the, in, in the distance. You know, if, there, if it's way down the road, we're going to ignore it. We're going to look at what's facing us right now, right today. What's for dinner? Um, uh, what do I have to do to make sure my kid is able to go to college? Um, <laughs> what am I going to do about this medical procedure that I can't pay for? Uh, those crises, those facts, those, those realities are what grab our attention. Uh, and you can see it in the news cycle as well. When, when, uh, when the top stories are... are uh, are bad things that happen right now. It's a lot easier for people to focus on that than the bad things that are going, the even more bad things, the, the, the horrible things that are going to happen if we continue down the road toward a seven degree uh, Fahrenheit rise in temperature, which is the path we're on right now. Again, to put that in perspective, that's four degrees Celsius. We'll talk Celsius. And as uh, the Paris Climate Summit agreed, Two degrees Celsius is problematic. Uh, we're at one degree Celsius increase now. Trying to keep it to 1.5, the, uh, the outcomes are more promising. I mean, still challenging, but more promising. At two degrees, we have, challenge, we have, we have some big problems. Four degrees is unthinkable. Four degrees, and, and we really are looking at a situation where we're not gonna, we're not gonna be able to you know, survive. And again, I'll read you this, um, this quote from uh, Denning's piece. While climatology is not yet a precise science, there is increasing evidence that the average global temperature is heading inexorably beyond 2 degrees Celsius and heading towards a threshold of 4 degrees Celsius, or 7.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Such a trajectory would have dire social and economic consequences. In the cautiously ominous words of the World Bank, quote, the limits for human and natural adaptation are likely to be exceeded. Okay, so I want to read that to you one more time. Just the last, that's the World Bank quote. The limits for human and natural adaptation are likely to be exceeded if the global temperature rises to 7.2 degrees Fahrenheit. That's a really um, sweet way of saying we won't survive. The limits for human and natural adaptation are, quote, likely to be exceeded. Okay, wrap your mind around what that means. That means we can't survive if we get to four degrees Celsius or 7.2 degrees Fahrenheit, which is where we're heading. So, you know, again, I've, I've supported all the uh, concepts in the past that, uh, that, that try to move us incrementally forward toward addressing climate change, uh, wind and solar production tax credits, uh, increasing fuel efficiency standards, uh, the 
carbon fee and dividend proposed by climate, uh, the Citizens Climate Lobby. All great ideas. But at this point, none of that's going to be enough. And that's why I think Denning is right about this. You, you've got to launch the entire, uh, the, the entire, um, the, the, all, everything we have has to be launched into this fight. He calls it the new moon, the, he says, quote, the only viable solution, a new moonshot. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's going to cost money. It's going to be controversial. It's going to make, uh, you know, and it's actually a more, more significant than the moonshot because it, it means everything has to change. We can't go on living the way we're living. We can't, we can't keep going down the path of, uh, of rampant consumption. You know, and the nice thing about this is if we pull through this, the rainbow on the other side of this challenging time is a beautiful place uh, if we pull through it. Because, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, it's interesting. You know, you, you, look at, uh, you look at the satisfaction level of people today, and it's not very high. Uh, people, people are working two, sometimes three jobs. Uh, people's health is compromised. Left, I mean, in so many different ways, people are unhealthy. We know this. Um, happiness is and, and there, there are ways of measuring this. <laughs> Studies show happiness is down. Uh, loneliness is up. More and more people live alone, in fact. Um, there are so many ways in which you can see that, 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 uh, that uh, people, you know, things aren't going well for humanity right now at the individual level and certainly collectively. And so, um, you know, again, part of the problem is that we've got this, uh, the biggest part of the problem is we've, we've, you know, our whole model of existence is focused on on consume, consumption, uh, of course, because there, there are people who make money when we buy more, and so they want to keep encouraging, encouraging us to buy more and more. You know, a Andrew Yang talks about this in his stump speech for president. I, I, you know, I give, I've got some issues with Mr. Yang, but I, I give him credit for uh, an astute analysis of, um, of uh, the use of GNP or GDP as a viable uh, way to measure well-being. You know, he points out that, you know, his wife is at home with the two kids. Her contribution to raising those kids is zero in terms of impacting the, the, and the gross domestic, domestic product. Um, yet, you know, you, we spend more money on, on lawyers for lawsuits, uh, uh, treatment programs for opioid addiction. Uh, that all gets registered as a positive in the GDP. So again, if we can come through this climate crisis, and again, I agree with Denning, it's going to take an entire all-out assault. This is what the climate mobilization has been saying as well. This is what people on the Great March for Climate Action were saying. It's going to take an all-out assault. And if we can accomplish that, if we can accomplish that, not only do we address climate change and sustain a planet that remains livable, uh, but we also create a different model of living on this planet that I think we'll, you'll, I think we'll see an awful lot more human happiness and satisfaction than we're seeing today. This is Ed Fallon, folks, with you on the Fallon Forum, live every Monday from 11 to noon Central Time on 1260 AM or 96.5 FM in Des Moines. Also live streamed on Facebook on the Fallon Forum Facebook page and available online on the Fallon Forum website. That's FallonForum.com.